Welcome to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician, and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 104. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. If you're here for strategies to learn to live a naturally healthy life, you are in the right place because that's what we talk about. Last week's episode was the exciting topic of shame, and this week's episode is about grieving. This is going to be the last of the Debbie Downer episodes, so bear with me. If you are new to the podcast and these have been your first two podcasts, please recognize they are not all this heavy. I think I'm a pretty happy chipper, happy-go-lucky kind of girl, but... These two podcasts have been kind of heavy. Let's just get them knocked out and do all the heavy stuff and then go back to, you know, exciting things. So today we're going to talk about grieving. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get all the future podcasts. There's going to be a podcast coming up about how to cultivate feelings, meaning how do we develop the feelings that get us the results we want, how it's not that feelings are here or there. They're either positive or negative. They're there or present or not present or absent. That's not how it works. And we're going to talk about the strategy for developing and cultivating feelings. I'm also um, going to have a episode coming up where I interview one of my clients. Those are always so much fun where I hear my clients get to talk about what it was like to work with me. But more importantly, for folks who haven't worked in my group, what it is like to work with in my group. I think those podcasts are super helpful. There's going to be one of those coming up. And then I also have a podcast coming up about fasting sugars and why they're the problem. So again, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done that. Subscribe to the podcast so you can make sure you're getting all this information and not missing any of it. So today we're going to talk about grief. So this seems petty a lot of times to my clients when I encourage them to allow themselves to grieve the loss of the foods that they were accustomed to eating. It's not so much grieving the loss of the foods. I mean, that's part of it really. But it's really making a change in your life and how that impacts your day-to-day living. Some of it you might love or you might love the outcome that's associated with some of it, but there are going to be other parts of it that you do not love. I frequently liken this with my um, clients to when you have a boyfriend and you have a bad breakup, you break up with a boyfriend. There are going to be parts of that relationship that you miss, but there was a bigger reason that you made the decision to leave the relationship And that bigger decision is why you continue to stay out of the relationship, right? But there are parts that you miss and that you will grieve. When we're making these lifestyle changes and these food changes, these changes to what we're eating, recognizing there is going to be parts that you will miss and allowing yourself the opportunity to grieve those parts is very important. A lot of times my clients think this is really petty and it's not. Also recognize that, you know, grief is a word that we usually use when we're discussing loss of a loved one or some major life event that was really impactful um, and heavy and maybe associated with a lot of sadness. A lot of times those grieving episodes are not chosen grief. 
They are not grief that we choose. When we're making lifestyle changes and we're deciding to change the way that we physically are, are treating our body in order to get a health outcome that we want, that's a chosen thing. And I think that sometimes that's why people feel it's petty. Like it's petty to be upset about something or to have to grieve something that I've chosen to do. And I, what I want to offer is that even if it's something that you chose to do, there is an element of loss and you do need to work through the process of that loss in order so you don't get stuck in the stages of it. And that's really what we're going to spend some time talking about. Also, you are making this choice because you want something else. You are trading something, right? I am trading. For me, I'm going to use M&Ms and my example of M&Ms a lot today. But I traded my M&Ms for a naturally healthy life free of diabetes, really being free from being driven or being controlled by food. That's what I traded. There was some grief associated with letting go of the M&Ms. But I got something in exchange for it that I actually wanted more. When we grieve the loss of a loved one due to death or a breakup maybe that we didn't want, a lot of times there's not a choice in that matter and that grief seems heavier. And so that's why I think that the grief associated with that kind of loss does really truly feel heavier because there is not a choice made with that and there's also not a component of you're trading for something more versus what's going on right now, like what's going on, what I'm talking about, which is the grief of letting go of something that's making me sick that's a choice. And then I'm exchanging it for something that I want more. So again, I think that that's why sometimes this kind of grieving seems petty, like we shouldn't want to do it or shouldn't need to do it. But I want to offer where I see my clients get stuck in this and how it keeps them from moving on and progressing through these stages so they can get to the stage of acceptance where they can start living that life as fully and robustly as they want to and they hope to without having all of these other components of the grief associated with it. Let's talk about the stages. I'm going to tell you how I see it in my clients with their food as they're working through it. I'm going to give examples of where I see them getting stuck in these stages and then kind of talk about how we address those. So Again, for those of you, if this is your first podcast, you may not be aware that I had an M&M problem. I used M&Ms to manage all of my emotional experiences until about four or five years ago. So if you were had met me five years ago, there were really, truly a lot of M&Ms. There was a week that kind of was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I A drug rep had dropped off at my office a five-pound bag of M&Ms, and in one week, I ate that entire five-pound bag of M&Ms. Maybe some of my office staff also enjoyed some of that that bag of M&Ms, but I primarily ate the five pounds of M&Ms. And that bag was gone by Thursday. So it was like Sunday, mid-Monday, and then Thursday the bag was gone. That was really the bag of M&Ms that broke the camel's back in my world. I felt horrible. And by Wednesday or Tuesday evening, I was going home, and I was like, man, I feel awful. And my husband, in his wisdom, said, hey, have you thought about not eating the M&Ms? I was like, yeah, that seems to make a lot of sense because that's clearly why I feel bad. I just won't eat the M&Ms. Wednesday morning by 9.30 in the morning, I was back to eating the M&Ms, going kind of behind my back against what was my greater desire, which was to not feel horrible after eating M&Ms all day long. And not even to mention, this isn't even discussing what it had done to my insulin the prediabetes, the weight gain, all of that. That was also there. But in that really immediate moment, I was feeling really badly physically from overeating the M&Ms, but I continued to go behind my back and against my 
bigger desires, my more true desires, and continue to eat the M&Ms. And that was really the week where I was like, oh my gosh, something has got to change. So you're going to use hear me use the example of M&Ms. The M&Ms for me frequently were helping me deal with emotions like frustration and annoyance and irritation. I like to call this trio AFI, annoyance, frustration, irritation, AFI. I would frequently use the M&Ms to help counteract that feeling in my body. And I'm going to talk about kind of as I worked through no longer using M&Ms to do that and learning to have the experience of AFI, of annoyance, frustration, and irritation, and some of the lessons that I learned along the way in relation to going through these stages of grief. I also want to offer that, yes, I did go through these stages of grief, but no, it was not intentional. I am presenting to you from this hindsight being 2020, and it's going to look really sophisticated and eloquent, like I did this all intentionally. That was not what went on. Looking back, I can see, oh, I was going through that stage there. Oh, I was going through that stage there. Oh, I was going through that stage there. But during, in real time, it was a lot of bouncing around between the stages and it was not eloquent and it was not pretty and it was really, really messy. And that's okay because sometimes the existence of a human being is not eloquent, but is very, very messy. And that was certainly my experience. So recognize the way that I'm explaining it right now is going to sound very, very intentional. Like I meant to do it and I'm like, got my crap together. I do not, I do not have my crap together. I did not have my crap together. I think the existence of being a human being is that we frequently never have our crap together. So, all right. So the, the stages of grief that we are talking about, some places will describe them differently. These are the five typically accepted stages of grief that if you look up in psychological literature, you're going to come across this. So denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance are the typical five stages we talk about. Um, what it looks like in the typical grief or bereavement cycle is, you know, there's been the loss of a loved one. You go through the stage of denial, which looks like, no, that's not true. This is a horrible joke. Somebody has got it wrong. This can't be happening. And then, of course, it progresses on to anger. You should have never let them go and do that. I told you that was a horrible idea. I can't believe you let this happen. The doctors didn't do enough, whatever it is. It's this very angry component. And then you progress on to bargaining. And bargaining looks like if I cannot go through this loss... Instead, I will do something else. There's an instead component. Instead of them being dead, I will be the best human being ever. Instead of my loving grandmother having cancer and about, you know, and knowing that her life is coming to an end, I will quit smoking so that I, you know, can show my gratitude for life and not take care of myself badly. There's this if instead statement going on in the brain. Um, and then, of course, that bargaining actually comes from this element of wanting to have control. The anger and the denial feel very out of control for us. And the bargaining is kind of trying to exhibit our control over what's going on. Once we realize that that's not what there's no bargaining out of the experience, then we slip into this depression. Sometimes the depression is heavy. Certainly lots of people who go through the loss of a loved one go through a depression that does require some clinical intervention, meaning they're going to their doctor or they're going to their medical provider and they're getting some um, antidepressants to help them through that. That's totally real. Um, maybe not so much with food, but certainly that's typical, a very typical component 
of working through grief with the loss of a loved one involves depression. It definitely happens with the food. And again, I'll give you an example of that next. Lastly, after we get through the depression, and really the depression makes a lot of sense, right? Because the depression comes from the space of I can't make it different. Denying it didn't work. Trying to power my way with anger or forceful emotion didn't work. Bargaining didn't work. And now there's nothing else. This is happening and I can't do anything about it. And that's a heavy load to take. And so we go through this phase of depression. And that, of course, leads to us being able to accept what's going on. This is something that happened. Loved ones die in the world. I never wanted it this way. But here we are. And how do I want to go forward? That stage of acceptance allows us to start moving forward. So how this looks with food and how I see this in my clients, they will come to start. How I saw it with me also. I'll give examples of me also. But people will come to work with me. And there will be this denial. For me, the M&Ms weren't really a problem. I mean, like, maybe as many as I was eating was a problem, but they aren't the problem. Or clients will come to me, the chips and salsa aren't really, I mean, the salsa is nearly a salad, right? The chips are just a little bit of corn. I mean, it's fine. That's not a problem. Or the um, sodas aren't a problem, right? There's whatever it is, they're doing something and maybe like I'm overdoing it, but it's not really a problem. That's the denial component. And then, of course, they are wanting different results, but denying what the problem is and getting the same results because they're doing the same thing or some version of it. And that, of course, leads to the anger, I cannot believe I cut way back on my M&Ms and my blood sugars are still high. I cut way back on my M&Ms and the scale didn't lose at all. I cut back on those chips and salsa. I barely ate any and my blood sugars didn't change at all. That's the anger component that they see when they're starting to make these changes. And recognize, I meant to say this when we started in this, but I want to make sure that you understand. The experience that we have that leads to grief and these stages of grief is not necessarily the loss of M&Ms for me. It was the change in the way I lived my life. It's the same thing when you lose a loved one. It's not the stopping of their heartbeat that is the hard part to deal with. It is that they are no longer there to go through your life with you. That is the part that you are going to have to grieve, right? It was not the M&Ms that were a problem. It was that I was going to have to learn to live my life without the M&Ms. That's what led to the grief, and that's what led to me working through these stages. So the anger a lot of times is the recognition that my life is going to have to change, and it, it's a change that I don't know that I'm ready for, I don't know how to do, or I'm scared that it's not going to be comfortable, or whatever that is. That's a lot of times where that anger comes from. For me, definitely. Like, I cannot believe I ate, like, just a bag of M&Ms or two bags of M&Ms, and nothing changed. That is such a bunch of crap. I should have just continued to eat all the stuff that I used to eat. This is such a bunch of baloney. So that's a lot of times how we will see anger show up. Then there's bargaining. Instead of eating the M&Ms, I did this. This is hysterical. This really happened to me. Instead of eating the M&Ms, I'm just going to bring a three-pound bag of grapes, and I'll just eat grapes instead. Instead of eating the chips and salsa, I'm going to eat a pound of cashews. Instead of doing this, I'm going to do that. That's where the bargaining component, that's how it looks for my clients. That's how it looks for me. And of course, Turns out, if you're overeating grapes, you're also not going to lose weight. If you're overeating cashews, you're also not going to lose weight. And you may, with both the grapes or the cashews, see your blood sugars be too high still. So that's what bargaining looks like. And then, of course, it is this depression. 
when we realize, oh, the M&Ms are the problem and I can no longer deny that. Oh, what a bunch of crap. Even if it's just a little bit of M&Ms, it's still a problem. Oh, I can't eat the grapes instead of the M&Ms. That's still a problem. That's when we really start to slip into this depressive component. We're like, oh, I actually just have to accept this for what it is and, and allow it to be in my life. And it's just what it is and there's nothing to do or to fix. I'm just going to have this experience. For me, I remember this very, very clearly, very vividly. The day that I realized there was no amount of M&Ms that actually made AFI, the annoyance, frustration, and irritation, go away. There was no amount of M&Ms that did it. I could try to eat another five pounds of M&Ms, but now I would still have annoyance, frustration, and irritation and disappointment, heartburn, bloating, and stomach upset. It didn't make the annoyance, the frustration, and the irritation go away. It added more crummy feelings to my experience, and I still dealt with the annoyance, frustration, and irritation. When I had that realization, I definitely experienced some depression. Oh, I've just got to sit. What I I call this sitting in my shitty diaper. I just have to sit with these feelings. They are not going to go away because it turns out M&Ms do not fix annoyance, frustration, and irritation. They don't make it better. It's kind of like trying to pay the water company to keep my electricity on. It doesn't work. That's not how it works. M&Ms do not fix. There's no biological route or circuit where M&Ms fix whatever you're annoyed, frustrated, or irritated about. From my experience, that definitely there was an element of depression that went with that. Of course, that allowed me, though, to move into the next stage, which was acceptance. Acceptance that this is how I'm choosing to live my life again in exchange because I want something. I wanted my health. I wanted to be in control of, you know, my body and my brain and how I ate. I didn't want to eat in a way that felt like I was going behind my back or out of control. I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to eat in a way that felt out of control that was also making me physically ill with too much insulin and prediabetes. I didn't want that. So I was trading. The acceptance process for me was the recognition that I'm trading one for the other, which allowed me to then, of course, progress beyond living the way I've been living my life with the M&Ms and managing my my emotions with the M&Ms. So examples are times when I see people get stuck. This is clearly not an all-inclusive list of examples of how people will get stuck in these stages, but it's definitely um, a pretty common, these are pretty common ways that I see my clients getting stuck. So denial, again, like we talked about, like, oh, it's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be a problem if I continue to eat the M&Ms. That is denial because I will tell you, every time you eat the M&Ms, you will see a change in your blood sugars that clearly shows it is a problem. Same thing with chips and salsa. Like, oh, it's not going to be a problem. Just a few won't be a problem. And sometimes people will experience that a few wasn't a problem on Monday, and so they repeat it on Tuesday. Then come Wednesday, clearly it was a problem. That's where I see folks getting in this denial pattern. Oh, it won't be a problem. And then they clearly have evidence that it was a problem. Anger. The most common way that I see anger sounds like it was such a bunch of crap last night. I had to sit and watch TV with my husband while he ate a pint of Ben and Jerry's. I got roasted broccoli and roasted chicken, and there he is eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's. It was such a bunch of crap. I cannot believe he doesn't care any more about me. I cannot believe he doesn't care any more about his health. I just can't believe it. It is just unacceptable. 
That is a lot of times how I hear anger show up for my clients. They are very frustrated. They are very angry that they can't eat that way and everybody else can. And what, of course, I offer, that is just a story in our brain. You, We have no idea what everybody else's fasting insulin level is. We have no idea what everybody else's hemoglobin A1C is. And I will tell you, I do not care who you are, a pint of Ben & Jerry's, is not ever a healthy experience. There are things in Ben and Jerry's, and I love me some fish food from Ben and Jerry's. Do not doubt that in any way. However, I don't eat it anymore. And it's not because it doesn't taste good, but it's because everything that it is in Ben and Jerry's is not good for my body. And I just don't feed my body that way anymore. That's for me, not for everybody. But see that that's where anger typically shows up for my clients. Not the only way, but a lot of times that where I see anger, people getting stuck in the stage of anger, not being able to move on is because they have the story that everybody else has it different than them. That story is not even true. And it's keeping you stuck in a space that keeps you sick, or at least if you're not eating you know, again, I always offer that we are the kind of people we did not get to a space where we were overeating foods that make us sick with type 2 diabetes because we're the kind of people that just deal with our emotions. I got to that space because I could not sit with annoyance, frustration, and irritation. I couldn't sit with Afi. So anytime that I created Afi, I was creating more of an opportunity for me to overeat. So if you're creating anger from this belief about everybody else being able to do it but you and you're getting stuck in it, chances are that at some point you are going to negatively impact your health from being stuck in that stage because we are the kind of people that deal with intense feelings like anger with food. Recognizing that that's part of the problem, that's part of the being stuck there. The bargaining, I see this with clients, again, bargaining out, well, why can't I continue to eat this? Why can't I continue to eat that? It was just a sugar-free popsicle. Like, why can't I continue to eat the sugar-free popsicles? I'll eat the sugar-free popsicles instead of the ice cream cone. That's all a bargaining thing. Recognizing, if you need to hear me talk about why artificial sweeteners are a problem, check out previous podcasts because I've gone into it a million times. But artificial sweeteners are a problem. They will continue to keep your insulin resistance going, which will continue to keep your blood sugars high. So when we're trying to bargain out so that we don't have to experience the loss of the foods that are making us sick. A lot of times it keeps us stuck and it keeps us sick. And then of course, people, the depression, I gave the example of me slipping into the, you know, realization and the heavy realization that like the M&Ms weren't going to fix the things anymore. I just had to experience that. Part of working through the process of the grief is going through the depression, getting stuck in the depression to where your life is no longer happy. You feel the sense of misery going through day by day. That's getting stuck in a place that you don't want to be and figuring out how do we get beyond that. I will tell I will share with you a thought that I feel has served me amazingly over the last many years. And you can borrow it if you if it means something to you, by all means, borrow it. But this is the kind of work that we do in my group with depression is figuring out what else is true. So for me, I no longer eat in a way that makes myself sick. That is the thought that has been so incredibly helpful for me. I no longer eat in a way that makes myself sick. If I really dig into this, this really looks like there's a lot of things out there that are probably a really fun time, but I know are bad for me. 
and I don't do all of those other fun things, M&Ms are not that much different. In fact, I use the example of antifreeze. They've reformulated antifreeze in the last couple decades, so it's not sweet. But there was a time where antifreeze was one of the sweetest things that you could drink or you could get on your tongue. We saw a lot of animals getting into antifreeze in the garages and they got sick and they died. We also, in the ER, you know, I was an ER nurse for years, we would get kids who drank antifreeze in the garage because it tasted good. It didn't have an icky taste. It tasted sweet and they would drink it and they would get very sick and they would have to come to the hospital and get better. So nobody's complaining. Nobody's sitting there feeling horribly depressed about the fact that they can't have a glass of antifreeze today because we understand the very tight correlation between drinking antifreeze and getting sick. The difference about the M&Ms is there's not that tight correlation, but the correlation is there. If you continue to eat these foods that make you sick, you will continue to be sick. And so that was one of the beliefs that really allowed me to let go of that depression component. I'm doing this because I want to have a full, robust life that includes all the good and the bad feelings. And I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be dealing with my bad feelings in a way that's making me physically ill. That's going to cut years off my life. So that's one way where I see that coming up for my clients and them getting stuck in that depressive component. And then, of course, the last stage is acceptance. I guess if you're going to get stuck in any stage, you want to get stuck in acceptance because that's going to really allow you to progress beyond being sick with type 2 diabetes, progress beyond a, a place where you are eating in a way that makes you sick with type 2 diabetes. Those are the examples. This is how I see this coming up for my clients. Again, I frequently will bring this to my clients and say, hey, look, have you allowed yourself permission to grieve the loss of this? And of course, they look at me like I have three heads and five eyes, and that's just crazy talk. Like I'm offering them the most outrageous idea they've ever heard. But this is truly, truly important. And I really offer it to people when they are stuck, when they keep coming up to the same issue over and over and over again because that getting stuck component is because we're not allowing ourselves to recognize the grief that's there and then progress through the stages in a way that leads us to acceptance where we can then move beyond. So I hope that was helpful. This, I promise, next week we'll do something fun and exciting and not so heavy. This should be the end of the Debbie Downer podcasts for a bit. Recognize this is what I do with my group. When women come to me and they want to reverse their diabetes, get off their medications, start living a naturally healthy life, they do not need me to tell them to stop eating Snickers bars. You know that. People know that. They don't need to be told that. What people need help with is what they get stuck with. And working through these stages of grief and other strategies that I teach my clients, that's what I offer that people need. You already know the things that you do or don't need to eat to make yourself healthy. Why we continue to do it, even though it makes us sick, that is the stuff that we work on in my group. If that's where you need help, recognize there is help for you. Send me a message, delane at delanemd.com. We can set up a free consult and you can see how my program helps you to achieve your health goals that you want. There's help for you. Reach out for the help if you need it. If you have any questions, same email, delane at delanemd.com, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also, leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the Work With Me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.